So what we're doing today is called the funnel diagram, and it is a ministry process diagram. So it's kind of a way that you can think about ministry happening the way Jesus did it, actually. <laughs> and, it, and it's the way that I think every ministry should operate. It's a good foundation. It's not perfect, again, it's just a diagram, but it'll help you visualize how to live a life of impact for Christ. So this is getting in pretty deep pretty quick, but this is gonna, if, if we could apply this here on this campus, Fort Lewis would get reached. And it wouldn't just end there. You know, if you started with everybody in this room and just started multiplying once a year, you guys know how long it would take to reach the entire world? Maybe you've heard this before. 32, 33, maybe 34 years to reach the entire world. If we multiplied once a year and then that group multiplied once a year and then that group multiplied once a year and so forth. Okay, so why aren't we doing that? (laughs) What, what, What ends up happening is we start just doing this fishbowl mentality thing. That's kind of been the model here in the United States for many years where we have a meeting or an event maybe once a week and that becomes the whole ministry. Does that make sense? And, and it just becomes a place where people maybe meet, see each other maybe once a week, maybe twice a week if you're lucky, but that's it. It doesn't go any further. So at some point, we have to find out how we can reach the whole world with the good news like Jesus called us to. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 would be good to read. I'll read it on my iPod. Any of you guys want to read it with me? Do it. This is probably the theme verse for this entire semester, as it is the most fundamental verse about what we would call the Great Commission, reaching this entire world for Christ. And who's there? Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Everybody there? Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So how do we make disciples of all nations? This diagram is hopefully going to give some clarity to that goal. And it will hopefully be something that you could apply in your own life, and it never stops. You could, apply it, you could apply it as you grow into a larger ministry or as you join a larger ministry. As you leave college, you could apply this in the workplace or in a church. You could apply it anywhere. It works wherever you go. And it's something that I'm hoping that we get to spend most of the semester looking at the different aspects of it. It'll be really, really good. So the first thing that, that we say we want to do is win, build, and send. That's kind of old campus crusade for Christ lingo. And the idea is that we want to win college students to Christ. We want to build them into strong disciples and then send them out into the harvest. Because most of you guys are only going to be here four, five, six years, something like that. right? Some of you more. Every once in a while we have somebody do seven. But anyway, eventually you and all the other students here are going to have to leave. There are no students that I know of on this campus that were students when I was here as a student. Right? They've all gone on. And so that's the end goal, is sending people into the harvest around the world. In the last seven years... We've had nearly 40 students graduate from this ministry and go into full-time ministry all around the world. That's a lot of people that came to Fort Lewis not having a whole lot of an idea of what they wanted to do with their lives. God got a hold of them while they were here. A lot of them became Christians at this campus, grew in their faith, applied some of these principles, kept on growing, and by the time they graduated, they decided to go into full-time ministry. I can name multiple students that became Christians right here on this campus that are now serving God in closed countries, in Muslim countries, 
and even right here in the United States. Some even right here in Durango. And so that's kind of the idea, win, build, and send. So everything we do as a ministry goes back to that, right? Nothing is in vain. The barbecue the first Saturday before classes was not an accident. Nobody just said, you want to do a barbecue, Jack? (laughs) That was all part of reaching this campus for Christ and making a difference for him. So here's how the funnel diagram starts. We're going to start with a big, huge funnel here. And we are going to pull this down. And I don't know where this funnel diagram came from. We did not invent this. This is not our brainchild, okay? This has been developed through many different people over many years. We really don't know where it came from. I know Russ has tweaked it and added to it a lot, so it is kind of our own. But it really is the focus of a lot that we do. At the top of this funnel, we have... Whoa, I almost gave it away. That would have been terrible. Jake, did you see what I wrote? No. Okay. Good. Now you're going to get it. Now let's say you wanted to start a ministry, Jake. I'll put you on the spot since you didn't see. Let's say you wanted to start a ministry, okay? Little, not little Jake, but Jake is deciding he wants to do something for Christ. So what's the first thing you've got to do? Let's say, like we talked about before, Christ is on the throne. You're connecting with him. You're in the word. You're praying. You're in good fellowship already. So let's say everything with you is where it needs to be for you to start reaching out to others, okay? But what are you going to do? What's the first thing you need to do before you can reach somebody for Christ? What do you say? Okay. How, how do you build a relationship with somebody? What has to happen first? Okay. Well, even before that, before you can spend time together. You have to meet them. You have to meet them. Okay. Jake, where did we meet you this year? Barbecue. No. I, I know. I'm smarter than that, Jake. Somebody met you and invited you to the barbecue. Oh, I thought you were talking about you personally. Oh, no, no, me and you met at the barbecue, okay. yeah. Okay, uh, during orientation I got uh, surveyed or something. Yeah, John, John Rose did a little survey with yeah. you and found out about you and then invited you to the barbecue and then you and I met and Jack and Brandon and a bunch of us met. But see, we had to meet you first. That's where everything starts is meeting people. So we're going to put meeting people... And the top of this <coughs> Okay. Now, how many people do you think it's good to meet? If you want to reach the whole campus for Christ, how many people would you like to meet? All of them. All the campus, right? Everyone. So, ten people isn't good enough, right? No. Ten is not going to cut it. <laughs> so, how are we going to meet them? Just one way? Okay. Not just a survey, but also a barbecue. Not just a barbecue, but also helping students move in. Did we help any of you move in? Who did we help? And Brandon, I helped you move in when you were an incoming freshman. Uh, so there, there are a lot of different ways that we'd meet you. Gosh, even flyers that we put up on campus, that's how we first met Joseph and Jack. Right? We put some flyers on campus, you saw it, you showed up, it's something we did. And from there we met you, we got to know you. We want to do, do a lot. <laughs> but here... You want to do a lot to meet people. Right? As many different possibilities as you possibly can imagine. A little redundant there. But you just want to go for it and go for it and go for it. And you want to come up with creative and fun ideas. We'll talk about some of that next week as far as particulars and how to meet people both as a group and individually. It'll be really good if you've ever wanted to be better at meeting new people. Next week we're going to kind of hit that really good. But anyway, the idea is that we have to constantly be meeting people. And when do we stop that? 
Yeah, you die. When you stop it, you die. Do, you, do we ever want to stop meeting students? Is a new student ever going to show up at Connect? And Jake says, number 321, forget it. I think we've met over 300 students so far this semester. That's a really good start. But there are between five and 600 students with this new class that we have not yet met. And so we have some work to do. All right, there, there, there's a lot of work to do. Okay, so that's why it starts wide, and it's going to funnel down lower. And over time, you're going to get increasing commitment coming down the funnel, if that makes sense. So we meet a lot of people up here. What's the next thing that you would want to do after you meet someone? What do you think, Josh? Can you start pursuing a relationship with that person and okay. taking initiative and really pouring into their lives? Yeah. You don't want to be preaching. You just want to be there. Yeah. Okay, in what way? So how do you pour into their lives? Um, I think, you know, just you just start hanging out, giving calls, inviting them to stuff until they, they actually finally take initiative to respond. Mm-hmm. You know, they might respond to me and be like, Okay, sure. Let's go hang out. Or yeah. You keep, you know, you keep. I don't think you need to pressure them, but you keep letting them know. Like, hey, I got this thing. You want to come along? Or hey, I'm doing this. Uh-huh. You want to do that? You know, just kind of taking initiative with that people. Yeah. I mean, that person to see, to, to let them see that you're interested and you care about them and whatnot. So. Okay, got it. What were you gonna say, Jake? I was gonna say, uh, uh, have initiative in everything you're saying and be intentional about everything you're saying and doing. Even like as simple as just like something you taught me already, just like uh, using your words to show that like like asking people questions about them mm-hmm. to show that you kind of care about them, I guess. Mm-hmm. You want to know about them, and that's like not all about you, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, just like subtle little things like that, I think. Gregory Kokel said, never make a statement when a question will do. That's a good quote, right? Never make a statement when a question will do. Dan, what were you going to say? Uh, keep providing opportunities, mm-hmm. like even if they don't accept the first one, they might might give something they want to do or give something that they're interested in. So just work on providing opportunities. Yeah, so all that's good. We want to keep meeting people. We want to keep taking the initiative to reconnect with people. We want to stay in touch with people. We don't want to just quit working with someone because maybe they're not a believer or maybe they think differently than us, right? We want to stay with them and stay with them. But ultimately, guys, how long do we have to wait before we can do the most important thing any of us could ever do in this life. Anybody know what that is? Tell them about Jesus. How? Okay, just out of curiosity, can any of you name one place in Scripture, anywhere in the New Testament, where somebody waited till they had a friendship to share the gospel? I, I cannot think of one place. The closest I can think of is Zacchaeus. Because Jesus said, hey, I'm coming to your house tonight. And we're going to have dinner. And then he went to his house and shared with him, right? But it wasn't really building a relationship with this guy because he didn't even know him at that point, right? So they had never even met. So it's hard to grasp. Now, what you're saying is so important, Josh. We do not stop with people. We don't give up. We, qu- we keep taking the initiative. But here's the other big thing that we're going to say right off the bat. That is, share the good news. Yeah, share the gospel. Now, like you said, we're not here just to be preachy with people, right? We're not here just to yell at them or just to try and um, rub them wrong right off the bat. But that is a difference of attitude, maybe, or a difference of presentation, not one of action. Does that make sense? There are a lot of people I've met, and the very first time I meet them, even 30 seconds after we meet, 
we get to share Christ with them. And it's not awkward. And the reason it's not awkward is because we've learned and had a lot of practice in making it not awkward. Working through what we call the four sound barriers. Uh, getting through some different issues so that we could bring up that conversation in a natural and relational way. In the context of a continuing relationship, while I continue to take the initiative with the person, not just leaving them, not just dropping them, but continuing to invite them, continuing to connect with them, but I share the good news with them, okay? All these things we're going to go over in more detail. If you want to know how to share your faith with anyone in a comfortable and natural way without fear, we're going to go through that. Not that the fear will never be there, but you'll learn how to beat it. What's that, Josh? By, when you say share the good news <laughs> at the start, is it more like, do you mean just like, mention, just mention it, sort of? I mean like, I mean obviously every circumstance can be different. Yeah. Someone's mm-hmm. really interested. Because what I've found is that people don't tend to respond to that. So the best way in luring them in is basically being salt and light yourself and having them ask the questions. That makes sense. So I can understand, you know, sharing the news in the sense of letting them know you know, maybe, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm a Christian, you know, what you stand for. Mm-hmm. Kind of get into it a little bit, but not even taking it mm-hmm. deep. A lot, I mean, this is what happened to me, at least a lot of times, mm-hmm. with people, because if you jump into that dance, they won't, they, they don't seem, I mean, I don't know if this has just been in my case, but they don't seem to respond well. Mm-hmm. They, don't, they don't like it, you know, they, they push back. It, I think a lot of it has to do with presentation. And here's why. If you're what you said was good. We don't want to just start preaching at him. Okay? If you just meet somebody... Okay, if I just met you, Jake, and said, are you going to heaven or hell? <laughs> That's a pretty awkward intro. <laughs> and depending on where you're coming from, that might or might not be a good way to start a friendship. Right? That's the preaching that you're talking about. Okay? Now, what we tend to focus on a lot more than that is asking questions and drawing them out. Right? So I meet with somebody, and you probably all got asked this when we first met you. We start talking. Where are you from? And you said, I grew up a missionary kid. So I didn't have to go that much further with you. I kind of knew where you are coming from. Right? And Daniel, you told me that you just came from Bible school. So a few of you guys, it was pretty quick and easy to understand where you're coming from. But a lot of times what we're going to do is we're going to ask, okay, so where did you come from? And we're going to ask some questions, and we're going to continue till we get to what we call transition questions. Questions that would establish some common ground with them and bring up an issue of spirituality. Here's an example with me. I always wear my cardinal hat, right? And people all the time tell me, are you a St. Louis Cardinal fan? Because Cardinal fans are the greatest fans of baseball. Okay? And so I get comments all the time. No, Shelley? Who's your, who's your team? The Oh! <laughs> Two Cubs fans. Oh, rivalry already. Cubs and Cardinals. But anyway, when they ask this, I always say, yeah, I am. I'm a diehard Cardinal fan. I've been my whole life. And I say, I am a huge fan of Albert Pujols, okay? And they say, yeah, he's amazing. I just did this a couple weeks ago with a guy at a coffee shop. And he tells me, you know, I know Albert. His dad used to be a dishwasher for us. That's pretty crazy, huh? And he said, I always asked, I asked Albert, why is your dad working for me? Because Albert's making millions and millions and millions. And he said, my dad is a hard worker and he doesn't want to take a handout from anyone. He wants to earn his own money. But anyway, so what's the next thing I say to this guy? You know what I love about Albert Pujols? Not just that he's arguably the greatest player in the history of baseball, which I think he is, but he is a hardcore Christian. 
He lives his life on and off, or he lives his faith on and off the field, and he's outspoken about his faith. And then I just asked the guy, "What about you? Like, where, what do you think about faith and all that?" Did you see how simple that was? I didn't like get real preachy with him. I didn't condemn him. I didn't like just start pushing him. But I just asked him a question about a topic that we were already talking about. This guy turns out happened to be a Christian. He got really excited when I started sharing that with him. But things like that are what we're going to talk about in two weeks when we start going through share, sharing the good news. And this will, this will be some of the best evangelism training you've ever had in your life about how to do this as a lifestyle. Not as a pushy, awkward type of way, but in your natural conversation. Whether you've known somebody for 10 seconds or 10 years. You could bring this up comfortably and easily, but not in a weird, awkward, pushy sort of way. But let's say you share the good news, okay? Let's say you share the good news. What kind of responses could you possibly have, guys? What are some possible responses after you share with someone? Not interested. Not interested. Well, now I'm going to get a few markers out of this. Yeah, scram. I had a lady tell me scram once. I haven't had that many bad scram. <laughs> We're going to put not interested. Usually, not always, but sometimes I'll try to say something short and, you know, something kind of simple and quick if I'm at a gas station. So I told this lady at the gas station as I'm paying for the gas, I said, so... I don't know when the last time somebody told you this is, but or was, but I want you to know that Jesus loves you. And she looks at me and goes, scram. <laughs> but usually people are really thankful when you say that stuff. It's the only negative response I've ever had doing that, actually. Uh, doing that short gas station thing. Okay, so scram. What other kind of responses could you get? Okay, interest. So they're interested. Okay, well, here's the word we use, but you you defined it. It's the opposite of scram, yeah. It is interested. We're going to put green fruit. Okay, I'm going to put green fruit. This is somebody that has an interest in what you're saying. They're just not quite ready to put their trust in Christ yet. Every year we have students like this that hang out with the group. There are students right now that are hanging out everywhere we hang out that are just checking things out. And they haven't yet made a decision, but they sure are interested. And usually, 99% of the time, those people end up trusting Christ. I can tell you one student, Andrew, who was one of those students. He hung out forever and ever, and we shared Christ with him, and he kept hanging out with us, and we kept sharing Christ with him. And eventually, he put his trust in Christ. And now he's a missionary in a Muslim country overseas. Okay? There's a guy that came to Christ right here at Fort Lewis. Okay, interesting. What else could you, what other kind of situation might you have? Anybody? Already a Christian. Okay, I'm going to put that down here at the bottom. Already Christian. Okay, that would be like you, Josh. I said, where are you from? Okay, I'm just asking you some questions to get to know you. And you say, I grew up a missionary kid in Bogota, Colombia. And I say, holy cow, I also grew up a missionary kid in Bogota, Colombia. We kind of hit it off. Um, I was pretty sure right from there that I didn't have to share the gospel with you right now. What I wanted to do is see where are you at with Jesus today. Does that make sense? That's why I started asking some clarification about, gosh, where are you at with Christ now? You know, I want to see, because I know obviously you're coming from that background, but what role is Christ playing in your life today? You are already a Christian, it turns out. Okay, what other, one other response might you discover? What do you think, Dan? Okay, well, I think that might be 
Maybe the interested, not sure yet, or the scram, not yeah. interested. You're looking for something else. Yeah, this is something that's way more basic, maybe. Someone who has a different belief system. Oh, okay. Now, I'd say that's like the non, not interested. Scram. Yeah, the scram. Although they might not say it that way. What do you think? Some, something else. You share the gospel. What if they think that happens a lot, and you're gonna just every year we have people come in from. My mom is a leader, and our church does all these Bible studies, and I've gone to every church camp in the world since I was ten. Turns out they don't know Christ. What else? Yeah, it is somebody that will pray. In other words, this might be not the most common result, but it's somebody that actually puts their trust in Christ right there when they hear the good news. This also happens. Okay, guys? It also happens. I met a guy once that told me the first day that we met, if you don't tell me how to have Christ in my life, I will kill myself. Okay, he was ready that day. And he prayed that day. And we started doing the next step of the funnel with him that day. Okay, and continued that on. Right? So those are, those are the four possible responses that you're going to get after you share the good news with somebody. I can't think of any others that are not there. Right? They're not interested or they are interested or... They will pray on the spot, or they're already a believer. Now, with these, with the not interested people, what do we do? Do we just say, you're not interested in God, I'm not interested in you. That's not the right idea, right? <laughs> Get out of our group. Well, unfortunately, that does happen to some people. I you know, I meet Christians a lot, or non-Christians a lot of the time that got kicked out of a church because of the way they dressed or the way they spoke. That's not right. What we say is <coughs> keep them up in the top of the funnel. All this fun stuff we're doing up here, I'm going to put barbecues, dinner, remember dinner at our house Thursday nights? We have non-Christians come all the time to that. They feel real welcome. They love seeing all you guys. They get to ask any question that could possibly be on their mind. It's super open, right? Let them keep doing that. We're not going to be judgmental and awkward with them. We're going to keep inviting them, like you were saying, be perseverant, and we're going to keep hanging out with them. We're going to keep connecting with them. But I don't want to push them beyond where they're at. Does that make sense? No, sure. I don't want to put if if I share the gospel with them and they're not ready, I'm going to try and stay with them where they're at. So we let them just stay in the funnel. <coughs> invite them to retreats. Invite them to different things that we're doing. Okay. Now, what about the rest of these? The ones that are interested, the ones that will pray, or the ones that are already Christians? What do we do with them? Okay. Do we just go, Josh? I'm so glad you're a believer. It was nice knowing you. We'll see you later. Have a good life, bud. <laughs> okay. Or what's it? What's okay? That is the ultimate goal of the Great Commission to make disciples of all nations, right? And and that is the ultimate goal of our ministry is to win students to Christ, to build them into strong disciples, and then to send them out in the nations. But we're going to use a kind of a, a a little bit softer of a term right now that leads into discipleship, though. We're going to call it follow up. Okay. Can't even spell they. It's all those uh, Thomas the Train sing-along songs that are going through my head. It's, it's messing up my spelling. Okay, we're going to follow up with those people. How are you going to follow up with somebody that's not yet a believer, that's just interested, but not yet, hasn't yet put their trust in Christ? How are you going to follow up with that person? It's, if he's interested, mm-hmm. um, I think if you need to keep asking questions. If you mm-hmm. hang out with him, you keep asking questions and and sooner or later, she'll start asking you questions, I guess, and you can 
Yeah. Hopefully provide them with the answers yeah, I mentioned that last week that we've had students that, that have gone up to four years of hearing the gospel before putting their trust in Christ. Right? We just keep with them. Keep hanging out. Keep inviting them. Keep connecting with them. If you can, keep meeting with them one-on-one. If you can meet with them one-on-one, it gives you a, a one-on-one opportunity to hear what's really going on. Now, maybe you guys remember in your past there have been times where you had questions and you didn't feel comfortable asking them in front of the whole church. Right? <laughs> Okay, here's an example. Last year at Thursday night dinner, somebody says, I have a question. In a dating relationship, how far is too far? Okay, could you imagine asking that in front of your whole church? How far is too far, Pastor? Might be kind of an awkward situation in the middle of church. Now, in the very same way, a lot of these non-Christians that you're sharing with, they have real serious questions that probably nobody's shown them the courtesy of just sitting down and talking those things through. Where are you really at? What is the real hang-up? I had one guy. This is the real hang-up. He was afraid that by putting his trust in Christ, he would be rejecting his best friends. Isn't that interesting? You know how long it took me to discover that that was the hang-up? Eight weeks of meeting every single week and, and just asking him what his questions were and talking and trying to get to the bottom of this. But it turned out after eight weeks that we found out that was the big issue. Isn't that interesting? It was a huge issue to him. So I said, gosh, well, God says he is love. Right? And as you let Christ come into your life and forgive you of your sins, love himself will live inside you. And the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us, produces his fruit, which includes love, through you. You're going to be a much better friend than you ever were without Christ when you have Christ in your life. This guy said, really? I said, yeah. He goes, that was the big issue that was keeping me from taking a step and letting Christ have control of my life. Isn't that interesting? You never know that, though, if you just invited them to a big group. So, so we try to follow up one-on-one with people so that we can connect with them right where they're at. Leah's been doing that the last couple weeks with a few of the new girls. They have some big questions that, that she's trying to help them work through and discover. Okay? All right, so what about these other two? The ones that pray with you on the spot are already a Christian. What do you want to do? I think... Well, are you saying they're both the same group? No, I'm saying, okay, this person that is interested but not yet a Christian, keep, continue sharing. Follow up and continue sharing. But the other two, the ones that are now Christians, whether they were before or just became a Christian, they need something more, though, than just hearing the gospel, right? What if I said, Josh, let's get together again, and every week this semester, I'm going to go over the Knowing God Personally booklet with you. Would you say, that's exactly what I need, Nate? (laughs) You'd probably say, that's... Cool name, but that's not where I'm at right now, right? Yeah, right. Okay, when we meet, don't don't you want to have a good conversation two ways where you can encourage me and I can encourage you, and where I, where we can get in the Word together and where we can grow together and where that's real discipleship. See, we're actually getting in the Word. We're going to God's truth and making that a pillar, okay? And we're investing God's Word in people. For the ones that will pray. Uh-huh. Um, I think for if, if they just come to Christ, you're going to be want you're going to want to be pouring more into them mm-hmm. to sort of because they'll be on a high and then they'll get right back to reality and it'll be a slap across the face and they're going to need that encouragement. Like I don't think they're going to yell for encouraging you as much Here's as the, they're being harsh on themselves. Exactly. They're going to need, they're going to need that, Here. that support. I guess. Here's the main idea. When we're doing 
this discipleship type stuff, guys, we always want to have the utmost humility. Does that make sense? I don't want to meet with some new Christian and think, listen to me and I will teach you. (laughs) Right? But you nailed something so important. What I want to be doing is investing in their life where they need it. And every single person is at a different spot. Every guy I'm meeting with is at a different spot. Right? When I meet with Jack, Joseph, and Brandon last year when we'd meet together, you guys would encourage me a ton in my faith. And I, I know I encouraged you too. And we grew to have some good friendships last year, and those are going to get even stronger this year. And it'll be the same with all of you guys, right? And this is a process, though, of us investing our lives in other people and helping them grow both in their knowledge and application of God's Word. It's not just one. So we're helping them know God's Word and build a strong foundation, but then we're helping them and encouraging them to take a step and to apply God's Word. It's both. James 1.22 says, Be doers of the Word, not hearers, only deceiving yourselves. We quote that all the time. But the bottom line is, if you're just learning God's Word, but you're not applying it, you will get deceived. That's pretty scary. So we want to help people learn it and apply it so that they grow and don't get deceived. Okay, so I'm just going to use the big word that... Who was it that said it? Was that you, Dan? Okay, discipleship. So we start doing discipleship. Now, typically on this campus, we'll see up to four or five spiritual generations happening at one time. 1 Timothy 2.2 kind of defines spiritual generations, where Paul tells Timothy to teach others what Paul has taught him so that they can teach it to others too. So we get four spiritual generations. Does that make sense? Paul, Timothy, faithful men, others also. That's kind of what we're looking for here. And we, we have this little acronym that I might as well draw up, and we have 15 minutes, so I want to make sure not to go over our time. So it's the FAITH acronym. And I, I think I like Steve Shadrach's version of this better. We've used this for years, guys. And here it is. Write it out if you're taking notes. Anybody remember what's F stand for? Faithful. Who Did you get it? Is that you, Josh? Yeah, faithful. I just said faith. Okay, faithful. Now, what do you think would show that somebody is faithful? First of all, before we even get there, Dan, do you just have unlimited time and energy and resources? Most definitely not. <laughs> not, right? All you guys have a schedule, you have school, you have friendships. You don't have unlimited time to invest. If you did... Then, then forget this. But then you'd be God, so <laughs> you'd be, you wouldn't need this little diagram anyway. We need to decide where we're going to invest our time and our energy. We only have so much of it. And if you want to invest it in the faithful men that Paul told Timothy to look for, or women, for you women, if you want to invest in the right kind of people that are going to continue multiplying... This acronym shows you who's going to continue multiplying, okay? So this isn't being mean, but it's just a way for you to know, should I invest a whole lot of time and energy here or not, okay? Faithful, what would that mean? It means, gosh, here's an example. You say, hey, meet me at 2.30 in town. Yeah, I'll be there, okay? Then they actually show up. (laughs) Isn't that cool? They're faithful. What if you're trying to invest in somebody and they never show up? They're not. Yeah, and I'm not saying that they're a bad person or anything like that, but probably it's going to be a big drain on your time if you try to invest a whole lot in that in that person. Does that make sense? The next one would be available. So what would you do with that person? Put them back on top of the 
yeah, keep do everything you can with him. Keep inviting him to stuff. Keep hanging out with him. It's just probably it's not going to be realistic for either of you to invest a whole lot of time and energy there. Does that make sense? But absolutely, you don't want to be a jerk and just say, I'm done with you. <laughs> you're, you're a loser. No, you don't want to do that. Okay, available would be the next one. What if you said, hey, can we meet? And the person said, nope. And then next week you said, can we meet? Nope. Next week, nope, nope, nope. They're just not available. So it stands to reason it's not going to be possible for you to invest a lot in that situation. But sometimes if you're like me, I really want to try hard. It's like sometimes I'll see somebody and I think, ah, this person could grow so much. I just need to try a little harder. And in the past I've gotten so tangled up just hoping that it would work out and wasting lots of time and energy even though somebody was never going to actually be committed to that. The next one, we've always put interactive. So I'm going to put a slash here. Steve Shadrach in Fuel on the Flame uses the identical acronym except for this one word. It was almost creepy when we saw that in the book. It was crazy because we've both been using this acronym for years apart from each other for this very purpose as far as who you should look to disciple. Uh, so we put it interactive. In other words, it's somebody that's actually going to be communicating with you. They're not just going to be silent and not want to talk with you. Right. He put initiative. And I think I like that. It's somebody that's really going to take what you're investing and they're actually going to apply it in their life. Let's say, Josh, you meet with somebody for a whole year and every week they're like, yeah, yeah, Josh, whatever. Yeah, sounds good. But they're never applying God's word in their life. They're just not going to go very far. And if you're being a good steward of the time and energy that God's given you, that's not the best place to invest it. Still be their friend, but that's not the best place to invest your energy. Okay, T is teachable. Okay, what if somebody's just argumentative and fights you every single time? It's going to be hard to invest in their life, right? I'm going to kind of go through this fast. We'll get, we'll get to this more later uh, because we'll get to this exact spot and we'll do a lot more. H is a heart for God. Heart for God. That's the most important one. If somebody has a heart for God, they're, they're worth investing in. Because isn't, doesn't the rest of that stuff come out of a heart for God? If somebody really doesn't have a heart for God, then you're not going to change him. That's something God has to do, right? So look for these characteristics, and I want to encourage you guys. All of us are in the discipleship process. None of us are there yet. Okay? So seek to cultivate those in your life also. Seek to allow God to work those into your life also. Okay? So now, once you've started to actually do some discipleship and follow up with some people, okay, we're going to get what's happening in 15 minutes. Okay, what's that? Bible studies. All right. Now, we're going to draw a little circle here. And let's say Dan. Here's Dan. Dan, can I use you? Dan is the leader of this Bible study. Okay. And now, I'm going to make this what we call a Jesus discussion group. Okay, a Jesus group. Now, the point of this group, it's this is a pretty basic Bible study. Let's backtrack. Let's say we met some people, we shared Christ, they put their trust in Christ. This is awesome, this new believer. I'm starting to do some basic follow-up and discipleship with this person. And then I say, Bob, okay, I know that you've been walking with God for two weeks now. So I want to invite you to our Bible study on the book of Revelation. <laughs> what happens? Is that a good idea or a bad idea? Too much, too soon, too bad, Russ would say. Too little, too late, so sad. That's what our director always says. 
Okay? That's not the right direction to go with this person. You need to lay a strong foundation of Jesus Christ. Paul says that in 1 Corinthians. That's good for all of us. That's one of the Bible studies you guys do on Wednesday. Who is Jesus? What does he say? How can you know him personally? The most mature Christian in the world, if there is such a thing, or the newest Christian in the world could both benefit from that group. It's never old to grow in my knowledge of Jesus Christ. Okay, But that Bible study, after a short period, is going to continue growing into a different kind of Bible study, or it might multiply into a different kind. So here's Dan still. So Dan now has some new guys, or some of the same guys. Either way. You guys are doing what we call a growth group. Okay? What is the focus of a growth group, do you guys think? Maturing. Maturing, right? It's intuitive. You're helping, you're getting in the Word together as a group, you're encouraging each other, you're supporting each other, you're there as an accountability for each other. A lot of times you're applying together what you're learning. Right now, this growth this growth group continues to grow, and the people continue to get stronger. This could last a whole semester, okay? And eventually, do you think one semester is good? And now this person is just like the Apostle Paul. <laughs> Probably not. So we're going to have more growth groups, maybe, okay? So we have some more growth groups coming. I'm just going to put GG right here. And, and we keep growing, and we keep growing. You guys are also doing a growth group over here. Last year you were doing a growth group. This year you're doing a growth group. You're not done. People still need to grow in their faith. But what if these people that are growing never get to do more than just sit there and grow? What if you guys came to Fort Lewis and never got to do anything more than listen to Nate speak? What's that? You gotta get them involved. Don't you gotta get them involved? Okay, now how do, how do I get them involved in a group? In the discipleship sense, and I'm going to mention this, the leader should be trying to follow up and disciple everybody in his group. So Dan, let's say you have six people in your group. It'd be really good for you to be trying to meet with those six people each week. And if you don't have the time to do it all individually, maybe each individually every two weeks, maybe three times a week you meet with two of them. I don't know. It's something... Maybe an hour each time, half an hour. You guys can make, there, there are no set rules. You guys can be flexible with this. The idea is, is to be helping them with where they're at individually, not just as a group and assuming. Just calling them in. Yeah. You, you don't just assume everything is good and ready to go. Okay. Going on from this growth group, I'm going to put it out here. We have something called, and this is, this is where the multiplication begins. We're going to make this a little smaller. We're going to call this an action group. Okay, there's an action group. Now here's Dan again. Let's say here's Dan. Let's say this is two years from now, and you got Bob and Sean. I'll put Sean's not here this week. And Joe and Billy. Billy. Okay. Now they're in your action group. What do you? And they've been here all along. Man, they were back here in the Jesus group. They're, they were in the growth group. They were in this other growth group, and now they're here. What do you think you're going to be encouraging them to do? Serve others and start groups. Oh, you nailed it. These guys have seen these groups happen, right? They've seen you disciple them, haven't they? They've seen you invest in their lives. 
they've kind of they've seen it all happen. They've, you've probably taken them out sharing the good news together. They've actually seen you share your faith. They've started to see enough and to hear enough and to learn enough where now it's actually time for them to do it too. So out here, let's say Bob has a Jesus group. Let's say a JG, okay? And let's say Sean over here has a growth group, okay? And he's actually meeting with a few of these guys. And let's say Billy has a growth group. And let's say Joe has another JC group. Okay, another Jesus group. And what's going to happen with those if they just follow everything that you've now taught them how to do? The same pattern. The same pattern. Boom. 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 <laughs> okay. Now, what kind of people are in all these new groups? What kind of people are, are, are out here? Are they just kind of barely making it Christians that haven't that are just struggling to survive? Do you mean, do you mean in the groups like the last ones you just circled out? Or? Any of these groups. Let's say these guys right here and these good growth groups. And even these guys, are they on track? The, the far out guys, are they on track just to become kind of couch potato Christians? No. See, if, you, if we keep repeating this process, you really get real multiplication, don't you? You really get... A lot of people really trained, really able to multiply until Christ returns. To win the whole world for Christ, to disciple people, to send them out into the harvest. Isn't that great? And if we can stay committed to some of this process, you really can see a whole campus won for Christ. You could see a whole city. You could see a whole country. You could see a whole continent won to Christ. Maybe not everybody will be won to Christ, right? Because that's still their decision. But at least exposed to the gospel. And you can see Christians trained. Now contrast this with what you typically see in an American church model. You see a lot of people that have been coming to church for years. Maybe nobody's ever taken them out sharing their faith. Maybe nobody's ever met with them one-on-one. Maybe nobody's ever invited them to be in a small group. Maybe nobody's ever helped them learn how to lead a small group. Is it for the guys' Bible study? Let's just pray.